What's up? <laughs> now just recording a podcast. What's oh, up with you? Oh, not too much. You know what, though? What? You need a counselor. Thanks. So do you. <laughs> I do need a counselor. You're right. Welcome back to You Need a Counselor. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to our episode today. My name is Julie Johnson. I am the president and founder of Heart and Solutions. We are a strength-based counseling agency here in Iowa. We are still doing telehealth sessions for mental health therapy in our offices and also for behavioral health intervention services in home or in school. That service is just for kiddos, uh, helping kiddos to learn how to manage their behaviors right now, how to how to deal with all of those impulses that are happening right now and all of these situations that are coming up for kids where they need to be able to manage the things that they do and the actions that they take in the midst of kind of a chaotic world right now. So uh, if your child is struggling through all of the changes of this year and their behaviors are showing it, go ahead and give us a call. We can do that in your home. You don't even have to drive anywhere or we can do that over the phone or over the computer for you. And I'm Krista. I am the vice president at Heart and Solutions. So I'm in charge of that behavioral health counseling department that Julie was talking about where we work with kids ages four to 18 on different behaviors, whether it's in home, in school, or telehealth right now as well. Um, And this is You Need a Counselor. So the mission of our podcast is that we are designed for people curious about counseling, but have barriers keeping them from experiencing the benefits of counseling. Our mission is to share stories about counseling, good, bad, and indifferent, and spread the message that everyone can benefit from mental health and behavioral health counseling services. I've learned so much about counseling just from hosting our, our 20 episodes. Um, because I feel like we have just gotten so much more information, firsthand information about what it's like to go to a counselor and what it's like to have those positive and those negative experiences and how everybody puts them together. And, you know, I know what my experience has been in counseling, but it's totally different just across the board. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like I've learned a lot already. I agree. So we post on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. We now have our little trailer that you will see on our social media on Friday nights. So there's going to be a little trailer that shows you a little bit of what you can expect on Sunday night. And then we will be posting uh, the actual episodes on Sunday nights. So save up your laundry. I do not want to hear anybody saying that they're doing laundry on a perfectly good Tuesday night. That is a waste (laughs) of a Tuesday night. Save it up for Sunday nights. Kill two birds with one stone and go ahead and turn us on while you are putting away your laundry and sorting all of your little socks. Okay. (laughs) So we are really, really excited today um, to have our next guest. We've got Pam Denon here and oh my gosh, that now we've had people on the podcast that we've known um, in certain ways, right? But I am just so excited to have Pam here. For anybody who does not know, Pam uh, was married to Krissa's dad, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of a little family reunion here that's happening. First happened. family member on the podcast. First family member <laughs> ever, ever. We need to get our significant other here. <laughs> at some point too. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Pam. I'm going to brag on Pam a little bit here. Pam is a teacher. Um, She has lived kind of all over the Midwest. So Minnesota and Illinois, and now here in Iowa. And she also teaches piano lessons, has several adult children who are extremely accomplished in the arts. So dance (laughs) and piano um, and all sorts of things. The story with Pam and Kyle is has been a love story that I've been following since I've known Krissa. So Krissa and I met uh, in gosh, 2011, we met, right? And so Krista and I knew each other. And then uh, as I started to get to know Krista and get to know her family a little bit more over the years, then I started hearing about Krista's dad and I started hearing about Pam. I'm like, oh, who's this Pam? <laughs> and she goes, well, let me tell you. Uh, and so for Krista, having Pam come into her dad's life. And I I'll just speak from my experience of this, watching this unfold secondhand, Pam is the love of Kyle's life. So Chris's dad is Kyle. 
Pam's the love of his life. Um, he was very vocal about that. He was. <laughs> he made it known to everybody, including me. I, I never met him. I never met him in real life, right? But it was very, very apparent to me that Pam was the absolute love of his life. For anybody who doesn't know listening, Pam's husband, Kyle, Krista's dad, passed away last year. And he passed away due to COVID-19. This was early in 2020. This was when things with COVID were still a little bit murky for people. People were still kind of figuring out what was happening with it. And then Krista's dad was taken from us and from the world um, due to this disease. So or this virus. Um, and so we're really uh, interested to hear Pam's story. Uh, it's also Chris's story. I know that Pam's relationship with Kyle was very, very healing for Kyle and for Pam, um, was so healing. And they just had such a beautiful relationship. And to experience the loss of Kyle this past year has been absolutely heartbreaking to watch and to experience as well, kind of secondhand um, along with you guys. It's crazy that you say like last year, like I feel like it just, mm-hmm. it, it was last yeah. year. It was technically, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> say that people say I'll see you next year, like <laughs> tomorrow. Um, absolutely. Yep. Time goes a little bit differently doesn't it? When you've experienced a loss like that? Like phrases. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's like just like last month. Like, it's crazy. That's already been like, yeah, nine months almost. Wow. This nine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It doesn't seem like nine months at all. So Pam, we are just so happy to have you here. So welcome. Thank you so Thank much you. for agreeing to be on the podcast and to share your story with anybody who's listening, who might feel kind of alone right now, um, having experienced maybe something similar, it's very easy for those things to become very isolating. And um, I know that you've got a very supportive family, but a lot of our listeners might not have that. Um, And so I think there's a lot to be learned from your story. Pam, can you tell us more about Kyle? Um, Just anything, just generally? Anything. Um, Oh my goodness. Where do I start? He was, uh, it's hard to say was, um, yeah, he's the most genuine, wonderful, uh, the, I search for the words cause they don't, uh, they're not enough. He was just the most genuine and loving, wonderful person that I've ever met. Um, he didn't ever play games or he was just genuine all the time. And he, he knew how to love. He loved me so thoroughly and so well. And he just made life safe, which um, I hadn't experienced that before. And I know a lot of people probably never do. So it was a wonderful gift to be given like a safe place to live and be married in and to do life with somebody who was genuinely safe. Yeah. And Krista, I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about your dad? (laughs) I already told Julie, if you guys watch this on YouTube, I have no makeup on today because I was ready to cry. She's prepared. (laughs) Um, I mean, anyone who knows our dad on social media or anything, he was never shy about his story. Um, Growing up, our dad was a drug addict, um, and then he did go to prison, um, but he did get out in 2012. He got out right in time for when I graduated from Iowa State, so right in time for my college graduation, and that's the same year he met Pam. Um, So he was clean and sober for 10 years before he passed away, Um, and we talked at his funeral, but the 10 years like that we had him like after he went through prison and um he was a totally different person he was in all of our lives was super involved we would get texts and calls every day just telling us he loved us and planning weekly dinners (laughs) and um he downloaded this app marco polo that we used to make fun of him for but he would just send us videos (laughs) all the time just like hey just checking in telling you i love you um so spam said just was so good at like making sure we knew how loved we were and Um, definitely made up for everything before that as well. So, yeah. And to add to that, I, 
I didn't know Kyle when he was um, in his addiction or I only knew him after. And nobody in my family could even imagine him trapped, you know, in addiction or living a different life because he had been so thoroughly transformed and changed. He was just a brand new person, even to look at pictures of him during that time it doesn't even look like the same man. His eyes are different. His face is different. So, um, yeah, he was just really a living example that, you know, people can change and you don't have to stay trapped in addiction for your whole life. And, um, he would never have in a million years dreamed 10 years ago, sitting in prison that he would have had the life that he had when he left it. So he was always just really thankful. Yeah, he was such a great example. Even, even to me, he was one of the only people I knew, you know, in, I say in real life, but um, yeah, I, had, I had not met him, but uh, that had gone through recovery and had stayed recovered and had made all of his amends so, so thoroughly um, and had completely changed his life. And, uh, and I remember I used to send him questions when I was going through 12 step um, and I would send him questions like, what did you do on this? Up, right. And what did you do here? Um, because he and his faith was so strong. And I think the, that his faith just continued to come out and to shine to people who didn't even really know him. Uh, they knew, you know, a couple things. They knew that he loved uh, Steph and Krissa. He knew that he loved they that he loved Pam. Um, and they knew that he loved God. Uh, and that was that's just such a beautiful thing to see. And I think that it is such a, a testament to the fact that we can all change. There's nothing that is too strong or too powerful to keep the human spirit from being able to change. So you guys, can you share a little bit about Kyle's struggle with COVID and, and what happened there and then, and then how your lives have changed uh, since we lost him? Do you want me to start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, his struggle began, his very first symptom was just that huge pressure on your chest where you can't breathe. And that got worse every day. And he was only sick for 12 days and then he was gone. So um, to have a loss so sudden, um, I feel like adds to the grief process. It adds something that um, I'm not really sure how to deal with or how to navigate because often I just am hit all over again with the brand new thought of, oh my gosh, how did this happen? I can't believe he's gone. How did this happen? And, um, you know, other people go to the hospital and other people are put on vents for months and they survive and um, other people who are older and sicker survive, which of course I'm glad about, but it just makes me say, <laughs> why him? You know, he was young. He was, he was relatively young, right? Um, healthy, strong. And for some reason, this just took him so fast. And um, we'd only been married for three years, even though I'd known him for eight. And so this was all relatively new, you know, to be, to have met the love of my life and to be living with him and be married to him. It was new and it was fresh and it was, um, I was living my dream, you know, being married to him was, my, was a dream come true. And to have it end so fast and so quick. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to get past that or get over it or move on. Um, nine, it's, it's been just a little past, it was eight months on December 29th. And uh, that's just so weird to say because my heart is literally back on April 29th. And it's very hard to have the world keep going. And um, it's, it's really hard to have it be a new year 
and to be living in a year where he wasn't and it was comforting in a way to have the year be the same and to be existing in the same time that he had existed. So it's, um, this new year is really, really hard. How about you, Cressa? <laughs> <laughs> to follow that. Um, I mean, when we found out, so again, the app Marco Polo, dad, Marco Polo, Steph and I, my sister, and told us about how he was, um, thought he had COVID, he was going to get tested. He thinks he got it from work, but like work didn't even tell him that there were cases at work. He read it in the news. <laughs> so it was a huge, I don't know, we were not happy about it. Um, he struggled to get tested. It was like you mentioned, beginning of COVID. So we had to drive to multiple hospitals to even get a test. Um, he had to try and go to the hospital multiple times before he even got admitted. Um, the first time he was sent home with like a pack and an inhaler from the hospital and was like, okay, you're fine. And that was before his results even came back because now if you get tested, you can get him back like 24 hours later, but he got tested on a Saturday, I believe. And he didn't get his results back till Wednesday. And that Wednesday he tried to go to the hospital too and didn't get admitted. So I think it was just so much like frustration. Like he's trying to get help. Um, and COVID so new and nobody knows what to do with it. So he wasn't getting the help. Um, and yeah, like Pam said, now people who are like sicker than him and older than him or have all these um, pre-existing conditions are, are living and our dad didn't have any of that. So it's, yeah, it just isn't fair. Um, I mean, yeah, like Pam said, we're happy that there's new medicine and all these like the vaccines now coming out, but it just sucks that it was like a year too late. Well, yeah, so it's definitely been a hard year. Yeah. And through the holidays and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. And just not wanting to let to have to move on from that that time that he was here. So he was here in 2020 and now it's 2021. Absolutely. That would be so hard. And I think what you, what you're talking about in terms of complicated grief, how the, the fact that it was so sudden and it seemed fairly innocuous in the beginning um, because people were getting it and, and everybody was saying, well, you might not even have symptoms. Right. And so in the beginning, it kind of feels a little bit innocuous, the idea of COVID and then all of a sudden everything changed and all of a sudden he was gone. And, uh, and absolutely that complicates it so much. And then there's this idea that while it's a new year, we should kind of be like moving on in our lives. And like Pam, like you're saying, how do, how do we even do that? How do we continue on when time has kind of stood still and the best times were with him and are connected with him? My gosh. Um, so have there been things that I know that you mentioned the start of the new year has been so challenging and, uh, and Krista for you, it sounds like seeing people recover um, is and and have even even news that seems like good news, right? Like the vaccine, it seems like great news, and everybody's happy. And you're, I'm sure, you're happy about it. But it's both, right? It's I'm so happy that this is happening. But why couldn't it have happened when he got it, right? Or why couldn't he have been vaccinated? Yeah, exactly. Like it's, I mean, I'm glad. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm yeah. First in line as soon as I can get a vaccine. But yeah, I just wish. Yeah, that it was this April that he got it or something. Wouldn't that where people know, like, take it seriously right away, admit him to the hospital right away if he goes, because he had to go Monday, didn't get admitted, Wednesday, didn't get admitted, finally got admitted on Friday, but it was too late at that point. He was on so much oxygen and had to be on the ventilator. And like Pam said, some people have lived, which is great, but it was just too late for him. So yeah, it's just, I'm glad that other people are recovering, but yeah, I just, it's not fair. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I think that just adds another layer onto, onto the loss of Kyle is that it, it seems like it shouldn't have happened, right? He was, he was young, he was healthy. And I think that his death really shook people quite a bit because people were thinking, okay, older people, right. Um, and maybe people with preexisting health conditions. And then you see this young, healthy guy um, and you see how powerful 
COVID really is. Um, and I think that people were not expecting that, least of all you guys, you know, you kind of go, okay, like we're in our, uh, you know, we're in the prime of life. And so it, it was so unexpected. Absolutely. So have there been other kind of triggers that have been um, kind of made it more challenging this past year in regard to COVID or in regard to just anything else? Oh, man, I feel like my whole life is one big trigger, you know, um, Marshalltown in general, he grew up here. So there's just things everywhere, all over town. There's houses that he sided back when he was doing that kind of work and places we went and, you know, all the places in Marshalltown that he wanted to show me and things we did and festivals we went to and um, our house, we bought our house together here, painted it and fixed it up and made it our own. And so my own house is a trigger and, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes when I come home from being somewhere and I have to walk up to this beautiful house, um, which, you know, I moved in three weeks before the tornado. So we had $85,000 of damage from the tornado. Wow. So we got to do a lot of stuff to our house that we wouldn't have done on our own. We really did get to make it our own in different ways. And I walk up the porch steps and it's dark and it's big and there's nobody inside waiting for me and um the closets are filled with his clothes and his shoes are still next to mine and um his robe is still next to mine and you know all the gifts he's given me all the cards he gave me um there's just triggers everywhere and sometimes they're comforting I mean, a lot of times they're comforting because I want to be surrounded by all of his things, but sometimes they're just painful. And sometimes Marshalltown is painful just because he lived here and his father just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And that was hard to have to walk through without Kyle because I just knew exactly how he would have felt and I knew, well, it was just, it was just hard. I, part of me was glad that he didn't have to see his dad suffer, but part of me <laughs> was selfish. Like I didn't want to have to go through that by myself, but you know, just to lose somebody else, to lose another link to, to Kyle was just another trigger and just another reminder that I'm by myself. You know, I came home from the funeral by myself to an empty house and um, yeah, it's just hard to be alone all the time. <laughs> and in, in a COVID world where we're more alone now than, than we ever were in terms of going to social gatherings or going out and just being with strangers even at the mall. Um, and so I would imagine that has, that has complicated that a little bit too. And I also imagine that there are so many people that would listen to this and can so identify with what you're saying. The, the, the idea that there are, when we have grief, there are all of these little pieces of ourselves. It kind of fractures our, ourselves a little bit because we've got the side of us that is comforted by um, that person's belongings being around us and is comforted by the memories and is so grateful for the memories. And then it's in complete contrast and opposition to the very strong part of us that says, I don't want to see that anymore. It's too hard. It's too painful. And it creates this struggle kind of within us, right? Where we feel bad for feeling good about the memories and we feel bad for feeling bad about the memories kind of is a, it's very easy to get into a place where we just don't want to validate our own feelings at all, because they're in such stark contrast to our other strong feelings. So we feel bad both ways, no matter how we slice it. That just really, really contributes to that, that sense that, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to be in this place that nobody else truly understands, right? I mean, I might know what it's like to lose uh, my grandfather, but I don't know what it was like for Krista to lose her grandfather. And so the thing about grief too, is that 
Krissa, you lost Kyle and Pam lost Kyle, but you had completely different experiences of being with him, of knowing him, of loving him, and then of losing him. And so it, that can be so isolating because nobody else truly understands, even the people who are also mourning the same person can't understand. And Krista, you've got a sister and a brother. And so they both lost their dad same day. But I would imagine they processed that differently than you did and, and experienced it differently. Have you found that to be the case? Oh, yeah. I mean, my brother's always been kind of quiet and more shut off, but I think more so. Um, and there's times I'm like, okay, well, like, you should come to this or you should do this. But my brother Derek will be like no like he just I don't know like come to grandpa's house or come do this and I think he his way of dealing with it is to like be alone where I want to be like around the people who like experienced it with me so um yeah that's been a big difference Steph obviously it's very we're similar and and it but I think it's definitely been harder for her as well um she um worked at a hair salon when it first happened um everything was shut down but she had to go back to work um and I'm everyone's job right now is dealing with COVID, but I think with opening a hair salon during COVID, um, it was really hard for her to have to deal with like hearing about it all the time and hearing about the precautions they were going to have to do and meeting with it. And she chose to leave that job just due to the fact that she was so sick of hearing about COVID all day, every day when your dad just died of COVID. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, we're all experiencing it differently for sure. And sometimes when we're, when we're in grief, we don't even know what is going to trigger which reaction, right? Mm -hmm. We could think of a funny memory and one day that could be wonderful to experience that memory. And then the next day it could be horrible to experience that memory. Um, and you've all experienced it so differently. And I think it's just so important that we all hear other people's stories, but also know that like our own story is completely valid. Our own way of coping with what's going on is exactly the way that we are supposed to cope with it. Um, Cause I think that loss, because everybody's, most people have experienced a loss of some kind. Um, I think that it just, it, it's a subject that invites comparison. Um, have you guys experienced that at all where people kind of compare their loss with your loss? type of situation yeah in ridiculous ways people who haven't even lost a person maybe they've lost um not their entire home even like you know something bad happened during the derecho show and they're dealing with inconveniences with their home getting their home fixed and i just say yeah but you have your whole family with you you have your whole family is with you while you live in this tiny apartment, while your home gets fixed, you know, I would give anything. I would give millions of dollars to have my home damaged, even if it was torn to the ground, if Kyle were alive. And that kind of thing just kind of makes me a little crazy. Like, how can you even talk to me? <laughs> how can you even mention, which I know it's not fair, it's not fair because everybody has their own stuff in it, but man, it just feels like to lose your husband and your father. I don't know. I can't think of anything that's worse or harder. I, I really can't. Um, everything else feels really small to me. So, yeah, it's um, I think that, you know, as humans, we want to try to connect over, loss and things. And so I think that it's kind of a human tendency to want to commiserate, right? If we know somebody's, somebody's hurting, we kind of try to match our own experience to that. Um, and that can be helpful sometimes, but a lot of times it can be very, very challenging for the person because again, it invites that comparison and to be able to say, no, the, the thing that you're struggling with is the thing that I just want most, mm -hmm. um, in my life. And, and you and Kyle went through, that tornado and so you've experienced your house being um torn yeah. apart by a by a storm right and uh yeah, and that feels like uh just a blip a really small blip like i would do that again anytime if he could still be here mm -hmm. for the most part i've discovered people just really don't know what to say mm. 
to me. I feel like wherever I go, I'm this big elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. Should they bring up Kyle? Should they not? Most people don't. So I end up having to be the one who is the comforter to other people or the one who makes them feel okay. And I don't really have that sort of emotional energy mm-hmm. to care about other people in that way. So it it's, makes it really, really hard, which is why it's why I can't handle being around very many people for very long. I am by myself most of the time just because I never know when I'm going to fall apart. I never know what memory is going to just lay me flat, you know, for days sometimes. And other people just don't know. They don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't take care of them. You know, if they don't know how to take care of me, I certainly can't take care of them. So right now, the people that I am the closest to, which is strange, is a room full of strangers in my grief group. But they've all lost husbands. Mm. and they all know exactly what I'm going through. And it's um, my best night of the week is my grief group night, which is a very strange place to be in, to look forward to a grief group. But, you know, to be able to talk about it with people who aren't going to try to fix it Mm -hmm. or say something to try to make me feel better. I don't want to be made to feel better. No, no, nothing can make me feel better. I just want to be able to talk about it and have somebody understand. And so that's my, um, yeah, that's my most comfortable place at the moment is with these women strangers. So can you tell us a little bit more about the grief group and kind of how you got involved in it um, and kind of what that's like? Because we have not talked about groups on this podcast before. Um, But I know that that can be such a powerful experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I tried to find a counselor. I I felt like I was going to lose my mind with not being able to talk about it. And with COVID not being able to see people, COVID sort of added, well, COVID stole a lot besides my husband, you know, it stole the ability to grieve with family even, and even to have a decent funeral where you all hang out together and support each other. And so I was very alone and I just felt like I was going to go crazy if I didn't talk about it. And so I tried to find a counselor and um, the first one, it just wasn't a good fit. And I just didn't have the emotional energy to keep on trying. Mm -hmm. And I had heard about um, a group called Grief Share. I don't remember how I knew about it. But I looked it up on Google and a group was starting in two weeks. And um, it's, a, it's a national group that meets in churches, um, whatever church wants to get the materials and host it can. And it's for anyone who's experienced any loss at all um, through death or even through miscarriage um, any sort of loss, it just happens. It just so happens that everyone in this group lost a spouse. Um, so we meet once a week and there's video that we watch and then there's just time to share and just time to talk. And everybody cries at some point. You don't have to share if you don't want to. Most people do. It's just a very, um, safe place. Um, Nobody's going to leave there and repeat anything you say. It's just, it's the only place where I feel completely understood. I can, I can sit there and cry and not say anything and they all get it. I can, I cannot cry and they all get it. I can be, I was really angry one night and I shared my anger and everybody got it and nobody tries to give magic words to make you feel better. You know, it's just, everybody's in the same place. And it's, I, man, I've just never been through anything like this where I needed people around me who had been through the same thing, Mm. but it's just the only place where I feel completely heard and understood, I guess. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's only 13 weeks though. So my last class is tonight. 
Oh, so I'm kind of dreading it there. I mean, there are people who have been through it two and three times. You can keep going as much as you want. And I'm not sure if they always meet the same 13 weeks of the year. I'm not sure about that, but um, I've made friends enough. I feel like I would contact some of the women in the group once it's over and get together with them. Just, you know, the only connection we have is that we both lost spouses, but that's, that's enough. So I feel like we should rename the podcast for this episode. You need a group counselor. <laughs> you, need, you need a counseling group. <laughs> and what I love about that is that you were able to identify what it was that you needed and you were able to say, okay, I, I feel like I need support. And that's when you reached out to an individual counselor. And then you said, I need a different kind of support right now. And so then you were able to find this group of people who, like you said, we're not going to say like, oh, it's okay. You'll feel better in a year, right? Nobody likes that. (laughs) And so you were able to sit with people who had uh, experienced similar situations that, that really allowed you to just have the space to be whatever it was that you needed to be. And if you needed to mm-hmm. be angry, be angry. And if you needed to be sad, be sad. And if you weren't happy one day, that was okay. <laughs> it's okay to still be happy too. Um, and so I just love that what you've experienced in that group is really what we um, really talk about so much in counseling is just that, that space to be whatever it is that you need to be in that moment. And that can change from moment to moment. Um, but in a counseling group or in a counseling session, there's no right or wrong. There's not, you know, well, I need to act this way because it's been three months. Okay. Now I need to act this way because it's been eight months. Right. Uh, there, there's no rules when it comes to that. And that is so important for people to have a space like that. Oh, definitely. And they, they gave so much practical help. I, I have books that they, some of them came with the program and some of them I found out about it. So I've been able to read about the grief process and just to know that everything I'm going through, no matter how crazy and how, you know, up and down it is, it's all normal. All the turmoil I'm feeling, it's all normal. It's all part of the process. There's nothing that I can, I can't do this process wrong you know, my grief is my grief. And just to have that normalized and to just be able to take a breath and say, okay, there's no rules here. I don't have to move on by this date. I don't have to be normal by this date. And they had a special class of how to survive the holidays, which was so helpful. It's just a lot of practical help, you know, just how to manage and how to navigate through grief, because it's not as easy as the five steps, you know, the five stages. And it's, it's just not that neat and tidy at all. Mm-hmm. So to hear people, you know, who've gone through it, some of the women are two years ahead of me, some are five, seven years, the leaders are even further. And so just to see that there will be joy, it'll be different, but there will be joy and there will be a life beyond this, but I don't have to have it figured out right now. Mm. I get to just exist in my grief Mm. (laughs) for as long as I need to. And I mean, I really, really needed to hear that I was normal because I, I felt like I wasn't Mm. because I've never been through this before. I didn't know what to think. And I'm a kind of a type A personality. So all right, let's get on with it. Like, you know, like this needs to be over now. And I, I don't, I needed to hear that to just make me relax and say, there's nothing about this that has to be solved anytime soon. So yeah, it was a lifesaver. I love that. I think for people, I mean, there are people who are very task oriented and like action achievement oriented. And that's great for so many things, but a process like grieving is just not, it just doesn't fit um, (laughs) with, with that kind of style. Um, And so I just love that you were, I love the wording that you're using of like 
normalizing all of the abnormal (laughs) situations, Mm -hmm. you know, like it doesn't make it suck any less. It doesn't make it any less horrible. Um, But it, it at least lets you know that be having it be horrible in this moment and in this day is still okay. It is okay. I'm not doing it wrong. Um, And I'm not behind, (laughs) right? There's no schedule. So I can't be behind. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just love that because you're able to um, gather that kind of like, we would call it psychoeducation um, information, right? Of like, okay, here's information. But more than that, you're able to get real lived experience. And when you hear somebody um, who has been in that group for seven years, share their story, then it does, it gives some of that hope, right? That Mm -hmm. they were, here they are seven years later, they're still part of group because that person is still a huge piece of their heart, but they're here and they're, and they're doing service with it. Right. Mm. And Kyle was all about service. Um, so I just love that idea that, that being in that group of people who really understood when nobody else did, um, and how powerful that's been. How cool. I'm so glad that you found that group and the willingness, you know, how weird that you look it up and oh, there's a group starting in two weeks. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Kind of perfect. I know. And I didn't want a a zoom group, you know, I didn't want to be on zoom with people I didn't know. And so they, they did have a zoom option, but they did have an in-person option Mm. with, if you were comfortable with it and, you know, it's in a church and it's in a big room and we all wear masks and we're all six feet apart. So it feels safe, but um, I needed to be in a room with real people. Mm-hmm. So I was grateful that they were doing it that way. Yeah, that's wonderful. So what were some of the um, tips that they were able to teach you in terms of the holidays that you were kind of able to implement this year? The main thing was to have a plan, like not just go through like you always do, but sit down and think about what are the things that I need to not do? What can't I handle and what can I handle? And how many, how, how much being with people can I handle? Which, you know, wasn't as much of a thing this year, but my four children came home, which was all that I could handle. I couldn't handle parents and siblings, which was supposed to happen this year. And I I knew that would be too much. And I knew if that my entire family gathered, I would have to stay home because I I just, I just start to panic a little when I'm in a big group of people. So, and then I, I just made a list of all the things that I knew I couldn't do. I couldn't put the tree up. I couldn't decorate, which Christmas is my holiday. So those are major things um, to not be able to do. I could not care about food. I told my kids, please come home for Christmas, but it's not going to feel like Christmas. I'm not making fancy meals. You won't starve, but I'm not going to make a big Christmas dinner. We ate on paper plates every day. Christmas day, we had leftovers. Um, I didn't make breakfast as like my big meal in addition to dinner, you know, when, when my kids are home, I didn't make wow, any breakfast. Next year, can I come to your house? For- <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, bought, I bought cereal <laughs> and I bought milk and that was breakfast. And um, so I just, and you know, my, my kids, some of them fought with me a little bit about the tree, you know, cause it was important to them. Like it didn't feel like Christmas without the tree. And they said, well, we can come and we can put it up and we can take it down before we leave. And the thing about the tree for me was that (laughs) there are so many ornaments that Kyle and I bought together during our eight years, you know, and um, we bought them either for each other or with each other. And I just knew I I couldn't look at those this year. Someday, maybe they'll be comforting to me, but um, this year they would just be painful. And so, you know, I I had to, um, without grief group, I probably would have bent to my children's wishes in the, in the role of being mom and wanting 
to create Christmas for my kids because it's what I always do, right? But I had the strength and the knowledge of my own self to say, you need to give it up. I can't have a tree. So please stop talking about it. And um, I'm sorry that if it's, that it doesn't feel like Christmas, but how can it possibly feel like Christmas? Kyle isn't here, you know, I don't even care about Christmas. So, um, and, and they were so good about it after I said that, but you know, I, I wouldn't have known to have thought about it like that or to cre kind of create that list of what do I need to do? What do I need to not do? And I, I knew that I needed time by myself. I can't just be, you know, my kids came and all stayed in the house for four days and some of them were here longer. Um, so I knew I needed to create spaces by myself. So I would go, I go to the cemetery several times a week to walk, but also to just be by Kyle's grave. And um, I know he's not there, but it's just a physical place where I go and talk to him. And it just, it, quiets my spirit in a way that nothing else does. I just, if I start my day out by just going there, I can just feel myself settle more. So I took time to do that in the morning before everybody else was awake. And sometimes I would have to just go upstairs to my room and cry. Um, and I went to bed early because I just needed to be in a room behind a closed door to just be by myself and to just realize that it's Christmas and my husband isn't here. So I just kind of pulled back from all the celebration part of Christmas and just could enjoy being surrounded by my children and let them comfort me. And um, it was very much a Christmas about me, which is incredibly hard for me to do mm. because it's usually all about my children. Uh -huh. But um, I watched my children um, completely take care of me. I didn't wash dishes. They did it all. They took care of the dog. They took care of the garbage. I, I felt very taken care of. And it, it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. But again, I, I wouldn't have known to kind of set my own boundaries mm -hmm. at the grief group. So, yeah. yeah. That's such great information for anybody to hear and to hear how you implemented that information and that idea. And I mean, that's a hard thing to do to kind of, but first of all, you're not necessarily wanting to think about mm -hmm. the holiday anyway, right? And then this idea comes that, well, now I need to make a plan and I need to make lists about it. And I need to figure, and I love that you had that willingness to do it because you had the group support as well from people who had mm -hmm. done it and who uh, could kind of talk you through pieces of it. And then being able to establish, okay, what is it that I need? Like, not what is it that I've done every year? Not what is it that is expected? Not what is it that other people want me to do? But what exactly is it that I'm going to need? And how do I make that work? for the holiday and planning that out. I just love that. I just love that um, you were also able to, once you made that plan, you stuck to that plan. And it's hard for people who are, who care about other people, who want to be of service. It's so hard for people to put ourselves first and to say, nope, I am in a season where I need to put myself first and you've talked about energy and I, I love talking about energy budgets and what you're talking about here is you're, you were saying admitting to yourself admitting to other people I only have a certain amount of energy in my mm -hmm. energy budget and I typically have this amount and right now I have this amount because every amount every ounce that I have is going towards processing, healing, grieving, missing Kyle, thinking about Kyle. And so you were able to say, this is the only amount that I have left to budget out. What do I do with that amount? And how do I not overspend the amount of energy? Yeah, that that's I exactly. I would say 90% of my life right now is managing my energy. And the one thing I'm really grateful I learned from grief group is that grief is exhausting. It is exhausting. I mean, I am completely exhausted. 
every single day. And if I didn't know that that was normal, I would feel so abnormal. I would feel like I needed to ignore it and just push through. Like I always have, you know, any other time in my life, you just keep on pushing. And now I have an understanding of why I'm so tired all the time and that it's a real thing. Mm. And that um, if I ignore it, I'm going to be in some really big trouble down the road. I have to create a lot of empty time where I have no plan, um, no schedule. I can only schedule so many things in a week because I am exhausted from the time I get up, you know, to the time I go to bed. And I have to listen to that because I don't want to, I don't want to not process my grief. I think that's the only way you can do it wrong is to not do it at all. And end up someday, you know, a volcano that's gonna erupt with all this stuff that's stuffed in. I tend to be a good stuffer. So, and that this is too much. I, I can't stuff this or I'll explode. So I've had to learn really fast um, boundaries and my li- my own limits. I love what this this idea too of, you know, when we're, when we're talking about energy budgeting and time budgeting, sometimes it can get very like, okay, and then I do this thing and then I do this thing. But what I love about what you're talking about is you're budgeting in time where you're not going to do the thing. (laughs) And when you were making your Christmas plan, it wasn't like, oh, I got a plan to do this and this and this. You're like, I got a plan to not do these things that are going to be on autopilot Mm -hmm. that I would normally just do uh, out of habit, right? Or out of this is what we do. And I love that you are so intentional about not only what you're going to do, but what you're not going to do. Um, Mm -hmm. That's so important. And it sounds like the group kind of gave you permission to do those things. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really, really great um, information. Thank you so much for sharing this experience that you've been through um, because, you know, most people um, have not experienced a grief, a loss of this kind. And uh, even for people who have experienced a loss of this kind, it's completely different. Um, And, you know, as you've experienced being in a group of people who have also lost their spouses is totally different than even being in a group of people who have lost, you know, say it's your family and yet your family has Mm -hmm. lost, they've lost their father and they've lost their brother, but it's a totally different experience. Um, And so I love that you've had this experience with this really pretty focused group. And it wasn't like intended to be only people with um, who have lost spouses, but wow, that worked out amazingly. Um, And and I just think it speaks to your willingness to do it and to say, okay, I I don't know if I'm going to do this right, or if there is a right, but I am going to do it. And I think that that is, is so powerful. Really, really thank you for sharing all of this information. And Krista, did you have anything to add on the holiday side before we wrap up? I mean, thankfully my mom's still here. So we were able to go visit her for Christmas, but it definitely was different not also having a Christmas with our dad's side of the family and at dad's house. So um, and it's a little more normal um, because we were able to go to my mom's, but definitely still something we were all thinking about the whole time was that we weren't getting to celebrate with our dad too, but you were kind of used to having separate Christmas. And so Christmas with your mom was basically just Christmas with your mom. Yeah. All of the traditions are the same. And, um, and so, but then having the loss of Christmas at your dad's. Um, So um, Pam, what would you, and Krista, what, what suggestion or what kind of guidance would you give to somebody who's kind of on the fence, who has lost a significant person in their life, but is kind of on the fence about getting support for themselves, whether it's counseling or going to uh, a support group uh, or anything like that? What, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh, do it 100%. Find something, whether it's a group or even your own friends who have been through this or if you can find a counselor that's a better fit than I found, there has to be an outlet. There has to be. And there has to be somebody to tell you (laughs) 
that you're normal and that it's okay and just to give you permission to feel the feelings and to take the time and to do all the strange things that you need to do. I, I was telling somebody, I, I go and sit. The last place Kyle was in Marshalltown was the big white circle with the red, <laughs> the life flight pad, the helicopter pad by the hospital. Okay. Um, they life flighted him out of here. So that's the last place he was in Marshalltown. And of course I wasn't there at the time because they wouldn't let me in the hospital. But um, I go there and I sit in the middle of the red square in the middle of the helicopter pad. And I sit there and I cry. And you know, there's houses right across the street and the hospital and cars are driving by. And I'm like, oh, I can just imagine <laughs> what people are thinking. Who is this crazy woman? <laughs> but it, it helps me so much and um, when I told my grief group that they're like, Oh my gosh, that is not crazy at all. That is so normal. Like, uh -huh. you know, I've done things like that. And it was so freeing to hear people say that and to just know that whatever, however way you're handling your grief, it's normal because it's your grief. So I would say 100% find something that gives you an outlet and that supports you. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. It's been so thank you for having me. It's been, <laughs> it's been emotional, but you know, it's just, I mean, I'm just so inspired by your, your willingness to get that support and then how much that support really, really did has helped this process along so far already. Um, and, and like you said, it's not, counseling and group, it's not a solution. It's not a fix because the, the problem of having lost our husband or our dad is not a problem that can be fixed. So, you know, we don't go into these grief groups or these uh, counseling sessions wanting to find a fix because there isn't one, but we can go in looking to seek understanding and looking to seek validation for the things that we're experiencing, the things that we're feeling, knowing that other people have gone through that as well and have done those things and have thought those things and have felt those things. That is, is truly such a powerful experience and something that as human beings, we just were designed for. We need it. We need to know that we're not alone. Um, and especially this, this past year with COVID, more people are feeling alone than, than in previous years because of just technical things, right? Not being able to necessarily, maybe they can't go to church as they used to, or maybe they can't go um, have meetings the way that they used to. And so I love what you're talking about here. And I love that there is a virtual uh, option for people who are more comfortable mm -hmm. doing that too. I think that's great to be able to have the, the flexibility of which one is going to be more helpful to me. Oh, hi, my name is Pam and I need a counselor. Me too. So does Krista, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Everyone. Everyone does. Everyone does. Um, if you are listening to this in the state of Iowa, and if you have experienced a loss, please know that you are not alone. That, um, that, People like Pam are going to groups, getting support, and that they're really finding benefit, not only like the logistical knowledge, informational stuff, we can read that in books, we can read that on the internet, but hearing that from people who truly understand um, and who have experienced it has been such a, a gift um, in this situation. So uh, yeah, if you are experiencing that and you need to find a group near you, uh, or if you are looking for a counselor to just be able to be how you need to be uh, without somebody trying to fix the situation that is not a fixable situation, please give us a call. Um, so you can call us at 800-531-4236. Um, we can help get you connected with a support group if that's what you're looking for, or we can get you connected with individual counseling. And that can be on the phone, on the computer, or in person 
as well. And we post every Sunday at five. So make sure that you're saving up that laundry that Julie talked about. So you can wash that and listen to us on Sundays or Monday morning as you're preparing for the week. You can listen to us then as well. Um, we also have those little trailer preview clips that are now being posted on our social media on Friday. So if you want a little clip of what we're going to be posting on that following Sunday, you can look for those as well on our Facebook page. Yeah. And if you have questions for us about counseling, uh, or if you have questions for Pam about what group was like or how to get connected with the group, send us a Facebook message on our Facebook page. You need a counselor podcast. Um, you can also send us a DM on Instagram and ask us those questions. If you want to get connected, um, or if you've got questions for Pam, we would love to have Pam back on the show. Um, maybe in, in the next coming year, maybe in six months. We'd love to have Pam back if she will uh, agree to come back um, so that we can kind of hear more and kind of follow your journey, Pam. So um, send us those questions. Yeah. Cause if you've got those questions for Pam, let us know when we invite Pam back on maybe in the summer, maybe in the fall, we can have her answer those questions on the podcast. So everybody can learn more from Pam's experience. And I'm Krista Brown. And I'm Julie Johnson. And we need a counselor. And so do you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 